0: This is Pastor Chad. Welcome to the Bethesda Church Podcast. We are honored that you have joined us today. You can stay up to date with us at bethesdachurch.tv or look us up on Facebook or Instagram. Now, let's jump in to today's message. Give God a praise. Come on, Doc. You can bring it out. Give God a praise right now. Oh, you can do better than that. Let's give God a praise in the house. Yes, sir. Amen. Come on. Look at your neighbor and tell him yes. Yes, ma'am or yes, sir, depending. Come on. Tell somebody else yes. Come on. You got a yes. Anybody got a yes in your spirit tonight? I got a yes in my spirit tonight. You may be seated in the presence of God. I'm going to do my best to jump right in to the Word of God tonight. Can you give this worship team just a big God bless you? Anybody glad to be at First Wednesday? Amen. I am so glad that you are here. Um, I'm going to probably trip the guys up in the back, so I'm going to give them a heads up now. Uh, I have been in the presence of God, I feel like, for about a week straight, Um, and the Holy Spirit has downloaded some things into my heart. I said at the end of the message, I don't know if I said it in the second service, but I know I said it in the first service, that our season has shifted, Um, and it has shifted, and the shift always takes place in the spiritual before you see it in the natural, and so one of the things the Holy Spirit told me to do, he's like, you've got to think like your season has shifted and you've got to act like your season has shifted. A lot of times our season can shift spiritually, but if our mind don't go with our spirit, we get stuck. And so I've got a word. I don't have a sermon. I've got a word tonight. And I'm going to talk to you about fresh oil. How many got a, a, some oil on your way in tonight? Did everybody get some oil? Can you all give me one of those? I may anoint myself before the night's over. Got you some oil, because I'm going to be talking tonight about fresh oil. But I, I, we, we need the fresh oil, but here's, here's the thing that I want you to grab tonight. Before I dive into where, I believe God wants us to go. And guys, it's probably way down in my notes, um, more towards the bottom. But I'm going to start here, and then I'm going to go back and, and preach all the way into it. Um, but First Chronicles chapter number twenty-seven, verse number twenty-eight, the Bible says, "I'm going to read half of the scripture." All right, check this out. In First Chronicles twenty-seven twenty-eight, it says, "Over the sellers of oil was Joash. Over the sellers of oil was Joash." In First Chronicles, King David. He is an old, um, he, he's now old, and he's given out some job descriptions, and he's preparing the kingdom for his son Solomon, and he's preparing and setting things in order, and near the end of the day, he begins this list of people, and he's announcing their position, what they would be doing in the, in the king's house, and he mentions a guy by the name of Joash, everybody say Joash. Joash, who was the keeper over the sellers of oil. The keeper over the sellers of oil. Now, there's a few things, and it's why I told our dream team in that little video I sent out this week, I think it was yesterday, that if you're connected to this house and you are giving your time and you're serving and you're plugged in that you are also a keeper of the oil. Come on, hit somebody and tell them you're a keeper of the oil. Oh, that's the wrong person. Tell somebody else you're a keeper of the oil. You are a keeper of the oil. And when you look at this, um, the seller uh, and, and the oil, a couple of things I want you to see. Number one, this was for the place of service, all right? The place, everybody say the place. See, this is about the place of service. And Joash's place was not a prominent place. His job was located in the cellar. And you thought your job was tough. His job is in the cellar. It was damp, it was dirty, and it was dark, yet all the oil was where he was. How many know God does his best work in the dark places? That the oil of the Holy Spirit, oil is symbolic of the anointing and the Holy Spirit, is where God does his best work. And so we have the, the place of service, but then we have the purpose of service. Joash was appointed over this precious substance, the king's oil. And the oil was used for heating, illuminating, and nurturing. This place was not glamorous, But the purpose was glorious. Without it, there would have been a lack of precious commodity. Did you know that as Christ's servants, you and I are guardians of the precious and spiritual commodity that we call the anointing of the Holy Spirit, that we are keepers and protectors of the oil, that just like Joash, we have a place of service, we also have a purpose in our service. But thirdly, there is the person of service. It was because of Joash that his work, that that made this so special. Because, watch this, he wasn't the keeper of just anyone's oil. He was the keeper of the king's oil. The king's oil. Did you know that the anointing of the Holy Spirit that you and I have, that oil is not from us and not created by us, but that oil is precious and it comes from the Holy Spirit and we are keepers of Jesus's oil of the Holy Spirit. Anybody thankful that God has entrusted to you and I to protect and keep this oil? Now, I love this because I, I'm talking about the, the place of, of service, I'm talking about the purpose and the person, and, and, and here's what I want us to, do, to understand. I want us to know that that is our job description, whether you are, see, we, we wanna think that if we're on the platform, we're a keeper of the oil. But I'm telling you, the people changing diapers right now are just as important as those who sang up here. Oh, I ain't got a church tonight. We, people that open up the doors and park cars are just as as important as those that have platform gifts, and they are just as significant in, in being keepers of the oil than those who hold a microphone, and so we are protectors of the oil, but I didn't come just to give you that. I want you to take this home tonight as a reminder, all right, hit your neighbor, hit him. Tell them this is a reminder that you are a keeper of the oil. All right? Now, this is not for you to just look at. I want you to use it. If your kids are acting crazy, pull your oil out. (laughs) Listen, if if you're unemployed, pull the oil out. If the marriage is struggling, get the oil out. But, but, but here's the thing. We know in the New Testament we are to anoint with oil because it's symbolic of oil. The Holy Spirit. And I don't want you to just look at this and say, man, that was so nice that they gave us a bottle of oil. When you get in trouble this week or next week or in a month or next year, I want you to be reminded of the power of the Holy Spirit and not just the doctor's report and not just the bank statement, but I'm going to pull out some oil and I'm going to pray and believe for this situation to change. And it's not just about keeping and protecting the oil. I want to talk to you about some fresh oil. Everybody say fresh oil. Exodus chapter 28, starting in verse number 40. It says, for Aaron's sons, you shall make tunics, and you shall make sashes for them. And you shall make hats for them, for glory and beauty. So you shall put them on Aaron, your brother, and on his sons with him. You shall anoint them, consecrate them, and sanctify them, that they may minister to me as priests. This was the first anointing that Moses was instructed to give to those that would operate in the priesthood. Did you know that you are a kingdom of priests? And this was what was referred to as the common anointing. Every priest had this anointing. They were all anointed with it. But there was not just this common anointing, but there was also an uncommon anointing. In Leviticus chapter number 8, verse number 12, and before I read this, uh, actually I think it's 10 through 12, before I read I want you to know this was for one man. This was for the man who would make his way through the tabernacle of Moses and he would get behind the veil into the glory of God, into where the Ark of the Covenant would rest. And so there was a special anointing to get to that level of the presence of God. But it says in verse number 10, it says, Moses took the anointing oil and he anointed the tabernacle and all that was in it and he consecrated them. He sprinkled some of it on the altar seven times, anointed the altar and all its utensils, and the laver and its base to consecrate them. And he poured some of the anointing oil on Aaron's head and anointed them, him to consecrate him. So this was a separate anointing. And it was for the high priest to go in to that most holy place. It was an uncommon anointing. It was, uh, the, 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 the tabernacle, you have to understand that the tabernacle was broken down into three categories. You had the outer court, you had the inner court, and then you had the holy of holies. And only one man was anointed to be able to go into what was called the holy of holies. And there was a special anointing that would bring him to that level. And so the the priesthood was anointed by Moses, and the anointing gave them access to the second level, all right? So you had the outer court, which anybody could kind of get in that outer court, but the anointing Moses gave the priest would give them access into the inner court, all right? Are you tracking with me? but there was only one man that could make it all the way into the third level. And so we see this as we break it down. Uh, The outer court, if you will, it was lit up by natural light. And so the outer court, the light there was the sunlight. It was natural light. And so it represents the natural. It's where we experience things through our five senses. In other words, if we can't see it, taste it, touch it, feel it, uh, if we can't do that, then we cannot experience it. But there was a second level called the inner court. And every priest had access to that level. They could come into the inner court with this common anointing, the first one we read about, and it represents promotion it represents going to another level. But the thing is, is that the priest had one foot in the outer court, and he had one foot in the inner court, and he needed someone on the outside to bring him what he needed on the inside. He was still dependent on things going on in the outer court so that he could do his job on, in the inner court. And so he's relying on someone to bring him the oil. Y'all following? Okay, two of you. He was relying on, as Pastor Jay brought up this oil and gave, he was relying on somebody to help him. Somebody to, because what he had to do in the inner court, it it involved things from the outer court. And so he's got one foot in the inner court and one foot in the outer court. And so often, guys, I think that's how we are because we're going through life. Maybe we lost a job, we lost a relationship, and we feel like we got one foot in the outer court, but we're praying and fasting. We got one foot on the inner court, and we're, we're kind of vacillating between the two worlds and dependent on somebody to bring us a breakthrough. But there was a third level of the tabernacle and it was called the Holy of Holies and the Holy of Holies was the realm of zero explanation. There was In the outer court it was the sunlight but in the inner court they had candlelight but did you know that in the Holy of Holies that God himself was the light that they entered into a realm where I don't need a candle and I don't even need the sun to shine in here because God's glory will light this place up. How many are ready to move past the anointing and start stepping into the glory of God that that's the realm that he was anointed for and so I believe that the next thing that Bethesda church is going to experience a man is not going to bring it to you a man is not going to make it happen that God is about to take some people into another realm and you're not going to be able to explain how you got the breakthrough. You're not going to be able to explain how your kids got saved. You're going to wake up one day with a lump, but the next day the lump is going to be gone. You're going to wake up one day unemployed, but the next day you will be employed. That it's not a man bringing you the breakthrough, but it is God bringing you the breakthrough. That we are stepping out of our world into God's world, I need a church right now to give God praise if you believe that we're about to step in to another realm. I told you I got a word tonight. I I just prophesy that thing that it's got you tore up right now and you think there is no way out of this, that it will not turn around. I say the devil is a liar. God is about to bring you into a space that's going to blow your mind and people are going to say, how did you get the breakthrough? And you're not even going to be able to tell them how you got the breakthrough because you stepped into a realm where it was all God. I'm ready for some miracles we can't explain, that I, I, I'm, I have no explanation. It's not an outer court thing. It's not an inner court thing, but it's a holy of holies thing. It's a place where God does something so significant that we cannot explain it. I want to live in a realm that is not contained by the flesh. If somebody is ready tonight for some fresh oil to be poured over your life and your family, go ahead and give God a shout right now. Some of you just sitting there thinking, I don't shout. Well, sit there in your addiction. Sit there in your mess. Sit there in your disappointment. Sit there in your discouragement. Sit there and be frustrated. But if you need a breakthrough, I dare you to open up your mouth and give your God a shout tonight. See, the church has become way too predictable. Way too to, I'm telling you, I got something on me right now. And I, I don't care, I just want God to show up and blow everybody's mind. I want him to blow your mind. I want you to come in here and say, I don't know how the Lord did that, Pastor. I was in a mess. I don't know how this thing turned. I don't know, we were in divorce court yesterday, but today he loves me again. She loves me again. I don't know how the marriage got fixed, but I know it's fixed, amen? Give God praise right now, I just... Man, I feel this thing. Now, let let me walk you through this, and I'm going to try to do it as quickly. Anybody in a hurry? All right. Good. Good. The children of Israel, when they were coming out of Egypt and they were making their way into the promise, we know that in the Old Testament, they set up the tabernacle. And it's very interesting because we, I just walked you through having fresh oil, and we talked about that only one man got to go behind the curtain, right? How many are thankful that Jesus has rent the veil from top to bottom, which means that it's not just that I get to go in. Or just that Jesus went in. It wasn't even so much that that we could go in as much as it was God wanted to get out. You know, he, he, he wants to invade our space, but we have to open up our hearts. But there were eight, eight steps, and I'm going to take you through these real quick. Eight steps. For, for the children of Israel to go from, all right, we're out here in the wilderness, and we got to get to that place where the one man goes behind the curtain. There were eight steps to that. Number one, God had to be first. And when I say God had to be first, I mean he had to be first. When the children of Israel stopped, stopped to make camp in the wilderness, they, the first thing they did, y'all, was build a church. Now, I mean, that's crazy. So you're going to put God up a tent before you put up your own tent. You're going to give God a place to dwell before you're worried about your own place to dwell. I just wonder how far the church has, has drifted when we're so concerned about our house but not concerned about his house. When I get real anointed, I get bold, sometimes mean. But I'm just going to call it like I see it. They had to construct God a house first, Before they put up their own tent, they put up his tent. Before they did anything for themselves, they did what God wanted them to do. They built everything around the presence of God. From Dan to Beersheba, all the tribes put up their tents after his was constructed, and every single tribe, every single tent was facing the dwelling place of God. In other words, we all understand who is first. It's not us. Our attention is on him everybody built around the presence of God. He was not second. He was not third. He wasn't somewhere on the list. He was, in fact, first. Not somewhere in the top ten, but he was first. Matthew 6, 33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. you got to put God first in your marriage and first in your money and first in your life and first in your goals and first with every everything that you do. We don't put God on a list. He's got to be first. And so they built their lives around the dwelling place of God. God had to be first. Secondly, I told you, I'm going to try to move quickly. Second thing they had to do. They had to enter through Judah. This is interesting to me because Judah was the entrance to the tabernacle. God could have picked Dan, Beersheba, He could have picked any of them. But he picked Judah to be the tribe where that their territory, you had to go through, not Benjamin, but it had to be Judah. And you could not get into the presence of God until you had came through Judah. We all know, you all answer it for me. What does Judah mean? That's so weak. Praise. That's about how the church praises. I I met with a worship team because I wanted to do communion with them before we came out here. So I met with them, and and because sometimes they're holding an instrument while we're taking communion, I'm like, I'm going to have communion with them, then come do this. Um, But I told them that we need to kind of praise in the church that punches the devil in the face. I, I, I am so tired of churches who want to jump right into worship. It's impossible to worship if you haven't gone through Judah. It's impossible to enter that place of worship if you've not given your God a praise. I enter his gates with thanksgiving into his courts with praise. Judah always goes first. I, I love this. Uh, God wants to do some great things, but he wants us to come through Judah. Judah. And Judah means praise, all right? The Hebrew word is yada. And it means, watch this throw up your hands in expression and gratitude. It is a thank you, Lord kind of praise. That's what Judah is. It's throwing up your hands and saying, God, I am grateful. God, I don't know how you made a way, but you made a way. God, I don't see a way out, but I believe you'll make a way out. God, I don't know how my body will be healed, but God, I praise you anyhow. It's a throw up, I dare you to throw up your hands right now and give God a praise right there where you are. I gotta go through Judah in order to get to the presence of God. And and Part of this, and, and this is going to make some people a little bit nervous. If you take the H off of yada, the, the root word of that is, is, it means, I won't try to pronounce it, because I don't think it sounds much different, but it means sexual intimacy. Some of y'all nervous now. The root word means sexual intimacy. And what does that mean? It means that there is, it's impossible for you to give God a praise and not get pregnant. Now some of the women are real nervous. But how many know, you? it's not just being pregnant with a baby, but how many know you can get pregnant with your miracle? You can get pregnant with your breakthrough. You can get pregnant with with your healing. You can get pregnant with purpose. And the devil wants you and I to remain barren. And the quickest way he can make your life barren is to keep you out of Judah. The moment I lose my praise, not only will I not get pregnant with what God wants to birth in my life, but I become barren. I produce nothing. See, uh, I believe that coming through Judah and praise means that That if we're going to get to that realm of no explanation, what God is trying to show us is that we can't program our way in. We can't dictate our way in. We can't confess our way in. Listen, the Baptists can't take you in. The Church of God can't take you in. The Catholics can't take you in. The Pope can't take you in. I can't take you in. An apostle can't take you in. Somebody gonna get it in a minute. A prophet can't take you in, a teacher can't take you in, an evangelist can't take you in, your mama can't take you in, your daddy can't take you in. But guess what? You can praise your way in to another realm. And the church, listen guys, the church has become too cute. Too cute and too soft. I told the worship team, I said, I want you all to go out. I, wanna, I want us to learn how to praise in such a way that we are punching the devil in the face. Like, praise, guys. We, we want to come in and go straight to this. I'm just worshiping. But if you've not praised, if you've not opened up your mouth, if you've not lifted up your hands, if you haven't declared the goodness of God, then you're not ready to go into a realm of no explanation. You've got to praise your way in. Now think about this. Judah led in the desert, but Judah would show up on the battlefield 16 to 24 hours before anybody else showed up. So before israel even got to the battle judah was already out there saying praise the lord praise the lord out there praising god and the enemies watching them praise god and the battle hasn't started Think about how insulting it was to their enemies to see a tribe out there praising God for the victory of a battle that had not been fought. But the enemies did not know that my praise precedes my victory. Think about how insulted the devil gets when it looks like everything's falling apart, but you go ahead and open up your mouth and praise God, and you go ahead and lift up your hands. It's insulting the devil. The third thing they did is they had to go through, or there was one door into God's presence. One door. Everybody say one door. And, and I've taught you guys over the years, everything in the Old Testament is a type and shadow of something in the New Testament. There was one door that they would go through in the Old Testament into this tabernacle. But you have to understand within this where, where they were located, there was white linen fence all the way around for 400 feet. But there was one door that was not white linen. There was one door to get in. And the door was 30 feet wide, 30 feet wide. And I want you to, I want you to get this, and not only was the door 30 feet wide, but the door wasn't white, but it was purple, blue, and scarlet. In other words, when you saw the door, you knew this is not like anything else here. This door pops. This door. Separates itself from the fence. This this door. There's something about the door, and, and what I'm about to say may not be politically correct or even culturally correct. Um, and I'll probably get a few emails at some point, especially if we end up posting this service online. Uh, but my email is Jeremiah at Bethesda Church TV. Um, you're welcome. The door. <laughs> It is chad at bethesdachurch.tv, but you can send them to him. Um, But what what it's symbolic of is there's not multiple ways to God. There is only one way to God. There is no other door into the presence of God. In John 10, Jesus said, I am the door, not a door or a way. He said, I am the door. I am the door. The way, the truth, and the life. How many of we can't even get to the Father except through Jesus? Anybody thankful for the door that we know as Jesus? Someone needs to know that it was that way when Jesus was walking the earth, but it's still that way. He is different than everyone else. He's, that door separated itself from the rest of the fence. And Jesus has separated himself. Every other God has lived and died. And guess what? The end. But Jesus kicked the door of that tomb out of the way. And not only did he live and he die. But how many know in about a month we're going to celebrate the fact that on the third day he got up again. He is different. He is unique. There is something different about Jesus, nobody else compares. And I love this, that the door was 30 foot wide. You say, why was the door so wide? A Couple things I want you to get. The door was so wide that when the priest came to the door, they didn't just open this thing up. They literally had to bow down and roll it up. You say, Pastor, what, what do I need to get from that? The priest had to bow as he rolled the door up before he could even approach God. He had to bow to get his healing, bow to get his deliverance, bow to get anything done. The priest was showing by entering the door and bowing that I can't do this on my own. I can't manufacture my own healing or my own breakthrough or my own... job or my own deliverance, that I need someone to help me. And I'm just asking, and not just specifically, I'm asking in general tonight, where are the people who are willing to bow down and recognize that I can't do this on my own? I think the other reason the door was 30 feet wide is because God knew that we would have a lot of junk that we would have to carry through that door. Anybody need to be reminded of the bondage you had when you met Jesus. The mess your life was. He knew we had to had to back in a, a dump truck of stuff just to get through the door because how many know he brought us out of darkness into his light and it's not by anything we've done. It's because of what he has done. Fourth thing. So you got God first, they came through Judah, there was one door, then there was the brazen altar. This was the place of sacrifice, it's the place where blood flowed. The Old Testament we know was given for our understanding of what the new covenant is all about, but the brazen altar was the place where blood would flow, and it represents the cross, it represents that Jesus spilled his blood for you and I to be here. See, we don't, we got a lot of people that get real nervous. And, and I'm just going to say this, I'm going to say it very carefully. What voices you connect to, what ministries you connect to, please make sure that they are preaching the blood, sin, repentance of sin, eternal life. Because if they are preaching a bunch of stuff that makes us feel good, but it doesn't involve sin and repentance, then it's not gospel at all. And there's a lot of stuff out there that thousands are ascribing to because it's flashy and cool and great communicators. But if there's not preaching sin and they're not preaching repentance from sin, it's not the gospel. You guys okay? Because last time I checked, that we can't even see the value of the cross without first seeing the crime we committed. We got people that say, we don't need that preaching on the blood. We don't need preaching on sin. We don't need to talk about repentance. And then we wonder why churches get in a mess where people don't think that they need to change or turn or say, God, help me. It's, it's, it's not socially acceptable now to talk about the blood. And the truth is, I don't care how many people I pastor, I don't care how big this church, I don't care if we end up planting seven other Bethesda churches across the nation. I could care less how big it gets. I will not stop preaching on the blood of Jesus and that without the blood, there is no remission of sins. That remission, where it says without the remission of sins, or, or without the blood, there's no remission of sins. We all think of remission as it relates to cancer. Like my cancer's in remission. And that's a great, Like definition. Because remission means that it used to be there, but it's not there anymore. I just wonder if I got a church here tonight that knows that you were once in sin. It was there, but it's not there now. That it's in remission. It's been sent away. Some of you have had the devil beat you up and torment you over what happened in 2020. Or what didn't happen in 2020. How many know everybody's got a story about 2020? I have yet to find somebody that does not have a story about 2020. But the devil wants to do that to keep us in condemnation, to keep us in shame. And I said it earlier, the devil is a liar. We have to understand that our sin, if we are following Jesus, is now under the blood. Our sin is in remission. When God said in the book of Exodus, He said, He didn't say, you know, when they see, you know, you standing out front. He said, When the death angel sees the blood, I will cause the death angel to pass over. Pass over, that phrase literally means to hop, to jump, or to bounce. In other words, when you're under the blood and the devil shows up, he got to bounce. He got to get skipping. He's got to hop on away. Why? Because you are under the blood of Jesus Christ. How many times has the devil told you, I got you, or I'll get your children, or I'll take your health, or I'll take your passion? But God says when the enemy sees the blood, he will have to keep moving, that he cannot touch you. And it's not just any blood. It had to be the blood of Jesus. Think about this. Karen and I, we got three kids. And she carried all three and nurtured all three in her womb. When she had pizza, Eli had pizza. With Everly, let's take it a different route. When she had cauliflower, Everly, y'all think I'm all she could eat was like cauliflower. It's like, that's awful. And beets. I hate both. But that's all she could eat. So when she would eat cauliflower and beets, then Everly would eat cauliflower and beets. And so those babies came, when they came out, no one could deny that those babies belonged to her because she had carried them nurtured them, ate for them, delivered them. She done all the work. I just got to do the fun part. Smile. She done all the work. And and so I say all that to say don't count daddy dingus out. I had something to do with it. I was a part of that process. But if you want to know (laughs) who those babies belong to, (laughs) if you want to know who those babies belong to, you can tell they're hers because she carried them. But if you want to know who they belong to, you have to also check the blood. When you check the blood, you will find out I did have something to do with it because my kids carry my DNA. I gave them the genetic fingerprint that they have. Genetically, you can't deny what belongs to you. When Mary gave birth to Jesus, she did it in an unexplainable way. There was no denying that she carried him, provided for him, she made a way for him. But if you want to know who the daddy is, you got to check the blood. And when you check the blood, you'll find out that the blood of Christ was none other than the blood of God. Come on, somebody. The blood of God, the one that will heal you, the one that will deliver you, the one that will set you free... Give him a praise if you're covered in the blood tonight. I spent too much time there. The brazen altar, now the brazen laver, laver's number five. Everybody say number five. This was the laver where the priests came to, and it was a bowl full of water for the priests to wash themselves. They had to make sure they were extremely clean before they could go in. And the reason is because in, in life, on your journey, did you know you pick up stuff along the way? and you gotta be washed. You gotta be cleansed. They pick stuff up. Some of you are about to go to another level, but here's the key. The priests could not move past this level into the next level until they stopped at the laver and washed off everything they had picked up in the last season. And some of you, you've came through a difficult season. But I'm telling you, if you're going to go to the next level, you're going to have to leave the drama behind. You're going to have to leave the dysfunction behind. You're going to have to leave the unforgiveness behind. You're going to have to leave everything behind that is not the blood of Jesus. And this brazen labor represents what Ephesians 5.26 says, that he might sanctify... And cleanse her, talking about the church, with the washing of water by the word. By the word. Did you know the word of God cleanses you? And the word of God is our mirror. Scripture says the word is a mirror. Some of us, the reason we're struggling and got so much mess is we're looking at people as our mirror. And so I look at you and and try to fix me. But if I'm focused on you, then I don't have the real mirror. If I'm going to have the real mirror, I've got to look into the Word of God. I've got, I don't look at people. I look at the Word. And, and so the Word washes me. And listen, I don't know about you guys, but spiritually, I need cleansed about every day because this realm is talking about what happened here is talking about a word we don't like in the church anymore. It's called sanctification. Now, the reason we don't like talking about it, a couple of reasons. Number one, some of us, we just don't like the word. But some of us, we don't know if it's all at once. <laughs> I grew up in church where they said it's all at once. And, you know, there, there's part of me that's like, yeah, it's all at once. But then somebody cuts me off in traffic and I want to say something. I realize it's not just all at once. Because <laughs> I need sanctification. Anybody feel me right now? I need sanctification right now. So it's not just all at once. It's all at once and progressive. That there is an initial work of sanctification. But there is also a daily process by getting in the word of God that as I put the word in, some of the mess I picked up begins to fall off. And that's what happens at this place in the process. The sixth thing was the golden candlestick. And this is where the fire... And oil would meet oil being the emblem of the Holy Spirit fire the emblem also of the Holy Spirit oil actually represents anointing fire represents the Holy Spirit that this is where the the fire and the oil meet see you are in a spirit filled church pastor Jay said it earlier you're in a spirit-filled church we believe in oil, we believe in fire, we believe in speaking in tongues, we believe in prophesying, we believe in laying on hands. Come on, somebody. We. David said, I will be anointed with fresh oil. Fresh oil. And I wanna say this and I'll move on to number seven. Some of y'all getting tired. When it comes to the anointing, I think a lot of us love what we get to do under the anointing without understanding the process of the anointing. And what I mean by that, if, you, if you're one of those people that say, I just want the anointing, I hope you know that when David was anointed, he's anointed in one chapter, but in the very next chapter, he's in a fight. He's anointed in one chapter. In the next chapter, he's in war. When you say, I want the anointing, you are signing up for war. And the warfare for those that are heavily anointed is beyond the normal battle. If you say, I want the anointing, you're saying, I'm, I want to fight battles that most people don't want to fight. And so we are signing up to engage in spiritual battles. And some of you have been battled in this season, battled over your faith, battled over your commitment, battled over your your emotions, battled over this season in general, but you don't, you gotta understand, you got the anointing before you were ever appointed. Some of you have been going through hell. It's because God had already chosen you. God had already anointed you. Had you not been anointed, some of you would have lost your mind in the last season. Go ahead and give God praise if you're thankful you made it through the last season without losing your mind. Number seven, two more. Y'all got two more? Now, remember, this is the eight steps on the way to enter into the realm of no explanation, the God realm. The seventh thing they did was the table of showbread, bread of his presence, bread of his word. The bread of the table represents God's face drawing near to you. It represents the word, but it also represents the presence of God. And, and, And listen guys, I want people when they come to this church to know they've been served filet mignon. Come on, hit somebody and tell them, pass the bread. Listen, it, it, we, we can have lights and music and ministry and parking lot attendants, but I came to tell somebody there'll never be a lack of bread in this house as long as I'm a pastor. I, you may not like the, the package your baker's in, but I promise you one thing. I will hear from God and deliver you some bread when God says to deliver some bread. Anybody want some fresh bread and fresh oil? in this season come on give god a real praise right now i'm hurrying i'm hurrying i'm hurrying come on hit your neighbor again say pass the bread all right last one altar of incense i'm gonna ask the worship team to get in place the ingredients at the altar of incense had to be mixed together they had to be stirred and they had to be lit on fire. And smoke would arise from the altar of incense. And it represents, I want you to get this, it represents the worship of God's people. Now this, this is why I say you can't get to worship. I don't know why everybody wants to come in and go straight to slow music. Where we all just humbly bow. You, you ain't praised. You ain't kicked a leg. There's seven other steps before you can get lost in worship. Like you don't just walk into the glory. <laughs> I love it. We're lazy. We want to bypass all these things and go right into, and I think it's just because we're more comfortable doing this. I told the worship team before, I said, praise kills your pride. I know I look foolish up here jumping because I can't jump very high. It's funny looking, I know. But you don't understand the cost of my praise. I know it looks foolish. I know it don't always make sense. I know it don't always look cute. Some people praise the Lord and it looks good. I'm like, I don't have the look good praise anointing. When I get really crazy and pray, it looks crazy. Like you don't want it on video. And my shout and my sing is not on key. Not on pitch. But I'm telling you what, if your heart is in it and you're willing to put God first, you're willing to come through Judah, you're willing to come through the door of Jesus, you're you're willing to do all these things, the word of God and, and, and really separate yourself in this season, God's saying, I want to take you from the outer court, and I don't want to just bring you into where you have to move back and forth from outer court to inner court. I want to take you into that realm of no explanation. I feel this. I want to take you into a realm that you don't have words to articulate what I'm doing in your life some of the greatest moments I've ever had in the presence of God, I had no words to articulate what he had done. All I know is I was in his presence and I felt one way going in. But if I pushed my feelings aside long enough to push in and say, God, I don't feel like it. I don't really have a praise right now. I'm frustrated, I'm whatever it is. I, even last Wednesday night, I sat in a service in Tampa, Florida. Wednesday night and Thursday night, it's two nights of it. And I, I don't know what all God did in me, but I can tell you that there was a weight that I had been carrying for a long time. And in those moments where I became lost in his presence, where I didn't care what anybody thought, I didn't have to get up and preach a sermon. It was just me and a thousand people in the room, but I, I thought it was just me and him. There was something that shifted. But I didn't just get straight into that level. There has been some word stirring in my heart. There has been some faith, some praise in this season. Praise when I didn't feel like it. So this altar of incense represents the worship of the people. And it's, listen to me, worship isn't worship. Until it's no longer about you. It's not. It, worship is is not. You singing anymore. It's not about how you're singing. It's not about what song is being sung. It's, it's where we move beyond that. And you have to understand. That when the priest got to this level. He's one step away. From the glory. He's. He's one step away from seeing God in his fullness. But scripture tells us that he had a beautiful garment on. But you know what he had to do? He had to take off his beautiful garment. He had been wearing beautiful jewels. Guess what he had to do with his jewels? Take them off. The priests wore a certain type of crown. What what did they do with the crown? They had to take it off. So the priest starts taking off his crown, his jewels. And guys, I I know we don't think like this, but they're in their underwear. They've taken everything off that could give them influence, notoriety, or position. See, when I come to God as a worshiper, I don't come as Pastor Chad. The Bible says that the elders in heaven throw their crowns at his feet. I know you're a title, you're an apostle, you're a bishop, prophet. Throw it at his feet. That ain't important. Your title's not important. If you're still hung up on titles and positions, then you're not ready for this realm. See, the priest knew that when I enter into this realm... And guys, let's just be honest, there's too much stinking pride in the church at large. Way too much pride. He knew at this level, it's not about me. Even though, listen, only one man got to this point. And the one man, you would think, he would think he's pretty awesome. No, he's gonna get down to his drawers before he can go into the presence of God. Why? Because you can't, no flesh can glory in God's presence. No flesh can glory in his presence. And so this is the part where they would take the oil and watch this. I almost got a kiddie pool and some of y'all wished I had done this. A kiddie pool and five gallons of oil is what they used. I almost got one up here and had Pastor Jay stand in it. And I was going to illustrate this. But I, I knew that he would probably, st- he'd still love me, but he'd be washing oil out for three weeks. But, but watch this, it's true. Listen, it, it doesn't just, it's a residue. It, the Bible says that in Psalm 133, they poured it over their head and the head represents humility. I'm gonna have to get down. We, we kinda kid about this that we gotta get under it. They had to get under this anointing oil. And it started at the head. And it had to flow, and Psalms 133 says that it flew from the head to the beard. The beard of a man represents maturity. So it's humility, but then maturity. But so many people don't want to be mature. They don't want to grow up. They're still childish. They're still tossed around. They're still up and down. And so the anointing is not for the immature, because God knows that you will mishandle what's precious you'll mishandle what's valuable. And so you can almost feel the energy this man would have as the oil's running down his head and his beard and he's he's already in his underwear and he's about to go in, just he and God. And guys, at this point, you gotta know, this is the kind of anointing that not only makes you different, This is the kind of anointing that the devil starts seeing you differently. The devil starts saying they're not who they used to be. That everywhere they go, because it went from the head to the beard down to the skirts, and guess what? Everywhere their feet touched, it left oil. Everything's their, their hands touched, it left oil. I'm ready to go into that level of no explanation. That where when I come out, it's not just that I know something's different, but that the devil knows something's different. That he can't bring the same old stuff against me, and I'm just gonna to submit to it. But there is a new anointing, a new level, a new presence of God, a new season at this time that I am stepping into. And whatever happened in the past, that is a previous season. I'm leaving it behind and I'm stepping behind the veil. Come on, somebody. Stand to your feet and give God praise right now. Come on, stand up. Now, watch this. Watch this. I'm quitting. What opened that realm? Your hand's right there. I feel like the Lord is saying in this place, have I not told you that I would use this house for healing? Have I not told you that I have anointed you? That those that are lost, those that are hurting, those that are in pain, those that are addicted would be sent to this place as a house, for a, to a house of healing. God says, receive fresh oil tonight. Receive fresh oil for a new season. God says, don't go into a new season with oil from the last season. Don't go into a new season with the oil from the previous season, says God. For I have fresh oil for you. I have fresh oil for your family. I have fresh oil for this house. God says, seek me in this season. See if I will not open up the windows of heaven and every vessel, every jar that you present to me, I will fill. Come on, just give God praise right now for his word, for what he's saying. Come on, you can do better than that. He spoke to us, church. That's God speaking to the house. What opened this season up was the worship that opened it up, church. And so I'm going to have the worship team kind of get ready, and we're just going to see what God wants to do in this moment. Our worship You you have to understand the altar of incense created smoke in that room and the smoke filled the room and it became a layer to protect him to go into that most holy place. Your worship brings God closer than anything else, but you gotta be willing to offer him worship. And so I just wanna know tonight, do we have any worshipers in the house that are ready to go to that realm of no explanation? Come on, give him a praise right now. Come on, worship team. Come on, worship team. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Bethesda Church Podcast. If you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so by visiting bethesdachurch.tv give. We will catch you on the next episode.